Welcome to the Love Positivism podcast. I'm Shireen Oberg and I'm a yoga teacher and author devoted to the path of healing and heart-based living. And I want to help you to step into what you truly are and to your highest potential. On this podcast, I share with you tools and insights to help you move ever forward on your spiritual and healing path. With guests from all over the world, from different wisdom traditions, I wish to create a web of loving energy that permeates the whole world to create more love and peace. You can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for more guidance and love. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited uh, to speak today with Dr. Deborah Threadgill Egerton. She's an internationally respected psychotherapist, IEA accredited professional with distinction, certified Enneagram teacher, best selling author, and also so many things a coach, spiritual teacher, a consultant. Um, she works with both individuals and organizations to help them release false historical narratives and to open their mind and hearts to a more compassionate and connected approach to life. Welcome, Dr. Deborah. I'm so happy to be here with you. And I am equally as happy to be here with you, Shireen. It's amazing to talk to yet another inspiring woman and I'm so curious I think that this would be a very interesting conversation we're going to talk about your work and also the book that you have and yeah I'm just excited and it's such an important topic as uh, also which I've been getting involved with more and more as well so maybe we can start with you sharing how you came into the work and the everything that you're doing today if you have like the path of yeah how how everything led you to where you are today well uh, lovely i'm happy to respond to that um you know shireen from my childhood from my very very early days I was always drawn to uh, help people who are marginalized in the world. And I can remember uh, being a a very little girl and recognizing some things uh, about the way that people treat one another. And I was sensitive to that. You know, I knew that when people spoke kindly to me or to anyone else, I felt good. But when I heard people, you know, screaming at each other or saying mean things, it just bothered me. I mean, I felt like it disturbed my soul. And I began to uh, try to course correct that. If I was somewhere and I, I heard someone saying something unkind to another person, (laughs) I would sometimes go over to that person and say, she's sorry, she didn't mean it. (laughs) And and as my path sort of, you know, went forward, uh, I studied psychology um, and 
Um, I also, in undergraduate school, I was um, like a broadcast journalism major. And then um, my master's, I went on to begin the study of psychology. And I just wanted to understand how people thought and why they acted the way that they did. And um, as my life evolved, uh, I was um, married to, a, to an army man. And so as an army officer and a doctor, and I would end up in these different places in the world. And I found a common thread that no matter where I was in the world, there were always people who were treated as less than, or as the term that I use is othering, you know, people who were treated as other, separate and apart from the dominant culture. Um, and I would get right in the middle of that and try to do whatever I could to pull people back in from the margins uh, or to help people know that at least I loved and accepted them as they, as they are. Uh, and that's been my path. Uh, as a Black woman living in the United States of America, my people are marginalized here and treated differently. Uh, and, you know, we have recently seen the atrocities um, all over the world of what's, what's happening. And I really want to help people who see these things and know that they're wrong wherever they are in the world to stand up and say, no, you know, this is not okay. This is not a right. We're going to... Uh, we're going to be the voices for good. We're going to be the voices that try to speak out against oppression. And I believe that when people stand up and say enough anywhere, that everywhere there should be a response. And that is why um, I wrote the book, uh, and I studied the Enneagram, and the Enneagram is a beautiful unifier. Uh, so I thought, okay, let me bring these two things together and give people some tools and a way to find their gift so that they can stand up and say, no, not on my watch. You know, we're not going to do this and be silent. Wow. What a beautiful story and background and um, it sounds like you're, you came here to be like this beautiful healing angel for mankind or humankind because we need people to, the, the, the most uh, almost worst thing is when people are not attuned to how other people can feel when we act in certain ways that's the like real disease it's when we're cut off and separated and that's when when uh, this separation can really lead to what you're saying that uh, a group of people or a gender or anything or yeah like any type of um, grouping can feel that they are more than another or you can feel above someone else but that's only the ego that is constructing all of these things when we have I feel like what you're doing is like also 
a higher spiritual path. It's it's like social justice and like changing a system and all of that. But at the same time, if we are doing spiritual work and we understand what what it means to be uh, in connection with the divine in any way, it's it's also only love. And then that love has to come out to everywhere. It's it's uh, everyone has a divinity or something to be loved. And I think that that's really important. And like you said, what's happening, we're in a major shift where we need to take action to yes. really, we, we cannot only talk about it anymore. We need to like, re, and I feel that in in all generations now that some a shift is happening and people have had enough of being marginalized and it is hard to completely fully understand it if you're always a majority group or you're not part of the group which is suppressed Um, and that's so and the intersectionality it's something that I really looked into in my own studies of um, global health and rights that we don't understand the layers we have to understand that we have to also understand ourselves to be able to understand what's happening and to see it so it's really important what all of the work that you're and and how you were called to it since you're a child you understood it so you're already very conscious and aware of this Well, you know, you said something that is so very important, and it's something that people do not remember, um, but we are all connected to the divine. And because we are all connected uh, through the divine, we also are connected to one another. And we just have to remember that we are all connected. So when a dominant group culture uh, treats any people in a way where um, they marginalize or ostracize or treat us as less than, uh, you know, it's not just the people who this is happening to who are actually recipients of sort of the the negative outcomes, Mm -hmm. we may not always see what the negative outcome is for the dominant group. But if you are oppressing any people, there is something that you are doing to your own soul. Mm -hmm. It's not just that we suffer and we do, but it is also the erosion of the character, of the nature of the human beings, of the goodness that is inside of them that they are not expressing by actually acting as if there are certain people who are worthy of love and respect and others are not. And the only antidote for this is love. Only thing that can, you know, I I love many of the quotes of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, but he talks about only how love and light can drive out darkness. Mm. And for so many people who come from what would be a dominant culture and a dominant norm, if they are not looking at that, 
then actually they're harming themselves. They're harming their children. They are harming future generations who will actually sort of the, the core of their character becomes uh, less than it was intended to be. Because if you feed mean-spiritedness, if you feed the things that would allow you to stand back and watch other human beings being harmed, because we were all created by one creator, um, the expectation is that we would defend and protect and love one another, mm-hmm. not that we would marginalize and harm and treat each other differently. That's, yeah, that's so true. And and there is a part of, so I love and study uh, re, uh, this the history of religion and religious studies at the moment. And it's so interesting that something, um, if we look historically, because also if we look at people who have been oppressed they can be big groups like for example women versus yeah that's that's i mean that's half the population Uh, but also then indigenous people different like everything that's happened for the past four thousand years it's a long process actually up until where we are today so it's not something people sometimes tend to focus on just uh, like the recent history we're, we're this is so deep that it's very hard to understand how that shift happened because it's very clear started becoming um and we can't know for sure because everything is not in like written in history but we can see that something shifted in how uh faith and worship and uh, that whole focus how that shifted and how women had less less like uh, became less centralized in in society and what happens then because if there is a major imbalance happening and these traits of the feminine is being suppressed then all of a sudden every society or people also that express that will also automatically become, um, I was just studying recently that it was urbanization that led to also more suppression, for example. It was a a shift in in how um, they viewed nature, for example, and these, these practices and which a lot of the wisdom holding was in both, but maybe women has have hold held also a certain wisdom tradition and this connection. So when we also think about uh, as divine beings and having um, how important the spiritual practice is, and we look out in society how little of that there is actually. Correct. Right. That is so true. You know, I I go all the way back and and like you, I have been so curious about how long this has gone on and who are the groups of people, the large groups and the small groups who have been, uh, you know, whose voices have been silenced. And we know as women that very often our voices are silenced. 
Um, and, uh, you know, um, growing up in a culture where I was raised as a Christian, mm. I, of course, look at uh, the voice of Mary Magdalene mm. and how this is a voice that was silenced. Mm. Um, her writings were not included, and yet her writings are so powerful, so meaningful, and offer us so much hope and help. And yet, you know, we as women so often end up in the position of we have the knowledge, we have the blessing to go forward, to speak truth, and yet there can sometimes be a fear that our truth might not be aligned with power the way that power wants for things to evolve. And so we find ourselves pushed away and not being allowed to speak out. But, you know, when we look at what's happening to the planet, when we look at our children that are growing up, the future generations, it is the heart and the soul and the spirit of a nurturer, of um, a mother, mm. a mother, and you know, of we worry and we take care of Mother Earth, mm. and think about Mother Nature, and we think about being mothers to all of the children throughout the world. It is that divine spiritual energy that has to be released and allowed to speak. And if that doesn't happen, then things are out of balance now. Mm -hmm. And we have to do whatever we can to bring the, the spiritual energy of the feminine forward. You know, and as we know, that doesn't just exist in women. Um, you know, that energy is, you know, it's a universal energy, but it's one that we really have to bring forward as this shift is happening right now. That's, that's so true. And I love, uh, it's, it's part of my very deep practice with, with the mother that people also don't understand that it doesn't have like for me the the divine is is of course genderless but for for me even now when i went so i'm not brought up christian at all but i love uh, going and living in sweden and like a secularized country but we do have old churches i went to this it was by coincidence a mass and it was actually a mass on this Sunday for the Annunciation, Correct. right? Yes. And and, I, and it was so so refreshing to hear the story of her because I'm also very devoted to Mother Mary because we have forgotten the power that she must have had to <laughs> to do that work that she did. And as you said, Mary Magdalene also. So for me, like they were like a trinity, like the mother and then this this holy couple. And uh, and I was listening to this amazing, maybe you know her, Amina 
Wadud, she's a, uh, the lady imam. She's actually from the Muslim tradition. And, and she has also normalized that we, this concept of God that we have in the Abrahamic traditions, we can say she if we want to, because that's how we also shift this consciousness that this, this, um, it can be loving. It doesn't have to be patriarchal. It doesn't have to be, it, it can be a, a healing masculine energy as well. But like you say, it's all within us because it, it's it's not about, I, I studied religious psychology and it's, it's normal to ha- want to have a concept of something abstract, right? Mm-hmm. And and for me, it is the mother, like you said, it's a nurturing mother. And that's what the world needs now, because we have been we have been look, longing for it. And th- there's this great imbalance and everything that we're trying. Why is this uh, this not just feminism as a as we said, the structure, we need to change so many systems, but also this beyond that the 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 consciousness of how important it is to have that balance and that we cannot be equal at all if we're not don't have any type of gender equality or we don't recognize what the 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 worst thing i see in the world is the non-recognition of what has the colonialism and the patriarchal systems who are still invading <laughs> still there and and have not um have not acknowledged what they've done because again if the the this big group or this it's maybe not even a big group it can be a small group that has the hold of a lot if they are not even recognizing then even if they're not deliberately part of it, you're part of that. There is no recognition or no action around it. So I'm really interested also, this is really, really interesting because I'm very passionate about this, but I would also love to know how you, maybe people don't know the Enneagram by the way, and how you applied it, because I would love to know myself how, uh, how did your work lead you into that and then working it into your book as well? Well, you know, Shireen, it is, um, I believe that for those of us who want to try to help to create this shift that will give us more balance, mm-hmm. that we have to be aware of what gifts we might possess. You know, we were all created uniquely and divinely with certain gifts that when we are willing to unfold the layers and really look at who we are and what gift we were given to bring out into the world, that is when we can step into our full power and we can make the contribution that we are intended to make. Mm-hmm. And um, what the Enneagram does, it's it's nine um, personality archetypes. And what it shows you is that with each of the nine different points, there is a certain energy that comes from each of those points. We have all nine of those energies within us, 
but one of them leads. One of them is your dominant energy. And at each of the nine points, when you do your inner work, and sometimes people say, what the heck is inner work? Well, the Enneagram is something that helps you learn how to do the inner work because it helps you to look at why you do what you do. Not so much what you do, but why are you doing it? What is the motivation behind what you're doing? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is that basic thing that you are trying to uh, sort of satisfy? What is, it, what is it that you're really very afraid of? The thing that you never want to have happen. Um, and also, it helps you to look at what your ego is up to. Mm. You know, once you, once, you, once you can sort of find the ego's sort of functioning system and the way that the egoic agenda is in control, then you take back your own power. And I believe that the divine steps in at that moment once you really see yourself and helps you to actually step into goodness and helps to strengthen you to do what you're intended to do. The ego in in many ways is trying to protect us. You know, we, we have to have an ego to even function in the world. But it's almost like it outlives its usefulness or begins to outsmart itself and doesn't guide us in the direction of what I call self-fullness, where we come into full self-recognition of who we are and what we are intended to do. If we don't look at what our ego is up to, then we are serving something that is not meant to make the decisions or to make the judgment calls that need to be made because then the decisions and the judgment calls that we make will be more selfish. It becomes all about me. So each of these nine nine archetypes help you to see yourself the way that you show up in the world and it's like picking up a mirror you know and and for us ladies it might be picking up a mirror before we put any makeup on <laughs> like oh my gosh is that how I look <laughs> you know? wait, a minute, wait a minute let me get my ego lipstick out and put that on make myself look a little better but it's uh it's I weave that into my book, because doing the type of work that we want to do is not sustainable unless we are really solid in our core, Mm. unless we keep ourselves connected and remember always that we are connected to divine energy Um, and actually having a a spiritual practice or a practice that works well, that helps you to remember who you are and helps you to move through the world with loving kindness. I mean, we can stand against really strong forces that are intended to push us back or to silence us. We can stand against that, 
when we can stand grounded in the reality of who we are and whose we are, Mm. how we were created and we know what we were created to do. And so that's the deep inner work that gives you the power and the strength and the heart. You know, I also talk about how we have three centers of intelligence, not just the, not just the head, but we have the wisdom of the body, you know, and, and in the gut center, you know, that what, what some people call uh, women's intuition, you know, but it's more powerful than that. It's a, it's a knowing without knowing, you know, it is a, it is a, a, a response that the body gives us mm. that lets us know whether to turn right or to turn left, where we can sense danger, where we can sense the goodness in someone. And then we have the, the wisdom of our hearts and that we can see in the world is sadly lacking because when your, your gut or your, your body responds to something and you have a powerful feeling about something, when you filter that through the feelings of your heart, then your heart has a pure energy that helps you to understand, is this for the sake of goodness? Mm-hmm. Then the wisdom of our heads, it often gives us the, the, the way, the plan, the method, the how we will actually be able to make something happen. So head, heart, gut, you know, um, all of these things we need to understand them so that we can then take our bodies out into the world and do what we need to do to make things better now and better for the generations to come. Mm. That's so beautiful and powerful to really also think about these different centers because as we have been very uh, in a patriarchal system, it's very head-based. And uh, in Chinese medicine, uh, I mean, the heart is also connected to the womb space, which we all have, both women and men. And and that's the intelligence. And even the heart, I mean, sure, you can, in, in, in yogic traditions, it's through the practice of knowledge attain this uh, divine state or like this divine understanding but through bhakti or devotion your heart opens up that's like they say that's the direct way to the divine and that space I mean I feel like that's the space that ties everything together because this we can also have this instinct and and gut feeling that sometimes is also i don't know it can be affected by the ego sometimes and our thoughts can but i feel like the heart is like is it invincible yeah well yeah there's a there's a purity and an innocence of the heart that does not let us when we really listen to the wisdom of the heart um it will actually bring us back to a place of wholeness. Um, It will actually help us, you know, it's like uh, your heart opens and it allows goodness to come out and to come in. And just as the heart beats, 
you know, it beats to keep you alive and to, you know, to make sure that every part of your body can function because it is sending blood and it is sending love mm. throughout your body, you know? And so to ignore the heart and the purity of it and the innocence of it, you know, this to me is how we return to being like children to have that innocence and to have that awareness of what is good and what feels helpful and what heals what is hurting. And I think that that's all right here in our heart center. And we ignore it. We bypass the heart. And, you know, for, for the good of the entire world, we have to stop bypassing the heart. How can you look at things that are happening anywhere in the world and see atrocities, see women silenced, see power, just sort of people grabbing for power, um, see people still sort of laboring under the stress of oppression? And how can your heart not break? That's a question that I ask all the time. How can that not break your heart? Mm. It can also make your heart stronger. Mm. Because when you see it, you allow your heart to open and you enter into the space. Um, as I write in the book, uh, no justice, no peace, but K-N-O-W, no justice and no peace. Mm. When you enter out into any situation where people are hurting, remembering to align your three centers of intelligence, but being particularly aware of the messages of your heart, then you will find your gift and you will bring either the gift of being a defender, a healer, or a bridge builder into the world. And that's what we need people to do. Yeah, that's that's powerful and so true. And I have so many more things to ask you and to talk about. I feel like the time has went so fast and I know that you have to be somewhere else, but I'm sure that we can uh, continue our conversation uh, at a different point because I would love to get into more of your work and, and the book. But just to um, share with the listeners, what is what are you sharing from your uh, heart right now? You have the book. Where can people find it? And the other work that you're doing and what you're offering right now. So um, the easiest way to see uh, where I am and what I'm offering is by going to my website, and I'm easy to find if you can remember how to spell my name. So it's D-E-B-O-R-A-H, Deborah Egerton, E-G-E-R-T-O-N.com. That's my website. And um, once you go to the website, you'll see um, there are many, many events that I'm, I'm scheduled, and most of them are virtual. I'm doing a class for One Spirit right now on the Enneagram and social justice. Um, and that is actually starting next week, next Tuesday. Uh, but you can still sign up on my website. 
uh, I'll be speaking at Hay House, I Can Do It, uh, at the conference. Uh, Robert Holden and I will be teaching the Enneagram together at the conference. And that's in May, uh, I believe it's May 18, 19 to 21, and that's in Tampa, Florida, but I think people can also attend virtually. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm the keynote speaker for the Enneagram, International Enneagram Association um, conference. It's global, so people will be coming from all around the world, and you can attend virtually, or you can actually come to San Francisco. So I'll be opening up the, the conference with a keynote speech, and then later doing a panel with Robert on activism and the Enneagram. So there's lots of things out there. Um, I teach a class where I bring together a cohort of people, and we work together for three months and um, we meet every week and just helping people to understand how to navigate and how to really be able to stand in a position of love and to make their contribution in the areas of, um, I call it idea work, inclusion, diversity, equity, and anti-racism. So uh, there are lots of things that I'm involved in and, uh, and I don't consider it work. It's just why I'm here. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's the best, that's yes. the best type of dedication and devotion. And so I'm gonna definitely share all your links in the show notes. Uh, so everyone can, and if anyone has any questions, they can connect with me if they wanna find you. So. Uh, I'm sure there will be many people interested and this is so amazing. I can't wait to check all of that out and to connect very soon again. And thank you so much for your time and, and your beautiful sharings today. Thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to talking again. Yeah, me too. Thank you.